Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Maybe see Amen. The Word of God, right? Excellent. So, uh, how many of you guys have done, like, uh, trust exercises? Maybe in high ropes, maybe in middle ropes, maybe on the ground or whatever. Yeah, so I, I've, I've done them several different times. Uh, we know that, like, with the high rope stuff, there's all sorts of things. There's, uh, you know, reaching further than you can and taking that step of faith to grab something else. There's there's things where you have to jump 15 feet out and grab onto like a trapeze. And, and uh, I remember one, I had a partner and, and we had logs that were the shape of a V. So you start out close to each other and you, you kind of put your palms up together, right? And as you go further and further apart, you've got a greater gap. And anybody here pinch the penny? Anybody hear that? Okay, imagine that a penny is between your cheeks. And you're supposed to, you know, in other words, the whole idea is to keep your back straight and to be pushing on one another so that ultimately you're kind of out, you know, leaning and uh, you, you try to make it across to the platform. But lots of different ones. But one of them in college, we, we had it, and it comes with different names, called Abandon the Ship is what we call it. You can call it a lava field or whatever. And, and in one spot you had basically a stump. You stood there and there was a rope with a, a little foothold on it. And uh, you needed to swing across and get onto basically about a pallet size. And, and we had a group of about 15 of us. And so you had to make sure the rope got back and forth, but everybody needed to get onto the pallet at the same time. And so you begin to realize before long that those pallets get smaller and smaller as you add people onto it. And uh, after a short period of time, you're sitting there going, okay, so how, how, do we, how do we get 15 people onto this pallet? And of course, with any good exercise, you try a couple things and you fail. So everybody goes back to the beginning and you start over. And then you begin to realize, wait a second, we actually need to rely on each other to successfully complete this. 
And so what begins to happen is you have individuals standing out on the edge on their toes linked together with their arms who are, you know, somebody's grabbing your belt in the middle and you've got this group around the outside edge and people are climbing in and you're holding on to each other, hoping you don't fall off until the last one comes swinging in, hopefully gracefully. And they catch them and they release the rope and you're successfully saved and all that kind of stuff. And and it's a great team building exercise, but one of the things we come to realize is we have to become dependent on one another in the process. If there's any lone ranger in it, we're going to lose because they're kind of like, I don't know, I don't, I don't need you to hold on to me. I can stand here out on my finger or something like that, right? And, and it doesn't work that way. And this morning as we come to chapter 4, verses 7 through 16 in particular Ephesians, I believe that the proposal for us is that God calls for interdependence for the unity and strength of his church. God calls for interdependence for the unity and strength of his church. Last week, we talked about unity. And so flowing out of this unity, we find Paul rolling into this discussion on the body needing one another. So how do we grow our interdependence in the body? How do we actually grow to to be reliant upon one another? What's the purpose of interdependence? Why is it that I should rely on one another in this process, we believe that there are three specific points that that Paul lays out for us here in this passage. And the, the first one is that interdependence requires grace. Verse seven, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. First, I want to note that 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 word gift, Christ's gift, when I was looking up it up. Studying, you know, it's kind of, it's a good thing. A good deal. I'm tired of studying, but you know, this was a good study. Uh, the the Greek word also means sacrifice. So according to the measure of Christ's sacrifice, so that this grace we see is, is given to us. It's not something that that we earn. Not something that's done because of works. It's something that that God imparts upon us. And it's important to realize that that, that word for gift is different than what we find in like First Corinthians uh, twelve and fourteen where we, we see charismata or charisma or grace itself being bestowed. In this case, it's a gift that's different. So the gifts that Christ is giving is slightly different than the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the process. Exactly. Yeah. Paul focuses, as we're going to see, Paul focuses a lot on these gifts of, of leadership and building the entire body. And so uh, what we see here is, is that, or what, what we know is that, that we have not just these gifts from Christ, but because Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit, right? We have these gifts that, that come from that. And, and those are things like, like service, knowledge, mercy, prophecy. And, and those become actions when we express them. Yeah. And as we look at the passage, we, we, we kind of note three things. First of all, but grace was given. It's given. It is not something that we earn. It's not something that we try harder to obtain. It's not like, well, if we go to church so many times and we pray so many times and we read the Bible so many times, then we get it. It's, it's a free gift. Just like the gifts of the Spirit are free gifts, it's a free gift that is given to us. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a responsibility into that. Um, but we also see here when, when Christ gives a gift, there's, there's this grace becomes a source of, of unity. It becomes a source of an empowerment and, and interdependence as we're going to be, be talking about. And part of that flows because not only is it given to us, but it's given to each one of us. So if I have been given 
Christ's grace and I choose not to use it, then I'm breaking the unity because it's intended for me to share it and to express it and, and to live it out and to give it away. And it's given, it's given not just to me as pastor or not just to Caleb as somebody that's speaking. It's given to each and every one of us, just like spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit. This gift of Christ, of grace, is given to each one of us. Not, none of us can sit here and go, oh, I got grace and you didn't. Sometimes we act like that, though. Sometimes we act like, oh, Christ sacrificed for me, but not for you. And so Paul's reminding us here, no, no, no. Each, each and every one of us has been given this grace and has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ's gift. And I believe Paul's flow of thought is very intentional in this, right? He focuses on unity before going into gifts. So there's there's this, this heart aspect that, that Paul is trying to, to get to. Uh, uh, we need to be be one and then then is continued to lay it out and, and part of the way that we achieve unity is by relying on one another and by relying on on these gifts that that he lays out yeah so then in essence it requires grace interdependence requires a recognition and an embracing of grace in our life it requires a, a recognition and an embracing some of us are kind of like, well, I got Christ's grace, but I haven't really embraced it. I haven't wrapped my arms around it. I haven't found it to be of something of value that I want to hold on to and not let go. And so then this morning we asked the question, where am I struggling to encounter Christ's grace and express it toward others? Where am I struggling to encounter Christ's grace and thereby allowing me to express it toward others? It's difficult to encounter Christ's grace if the only place that we're looking for it is here at church or in specific moments throughout the week. So are we are we looking to encounter Christ's grace in every single day and every single aspect of, of our lives? Yeah. Now where am I where am I missing it? If if all I'm doing is coming to church in my Christian life, then I'm missing the grace of Christ in a lot of different areas. I need to actually be attentively seeking it. Christ is giving it continuously. But I have to be seeking to embrace it, to encounter it, to make it part of who I am. Right, this gets used, this analogy or illustration gets used a lot, right? But just like a gift, you have to, to reach out and receive it and grab it and, and take it and make it yours, essentially. Yeah, and, and do we realize that sometimes the very gift of grace, because we we think in such a tunnel vision concept of what it is, do we realize that sometimes the difficult people that are put our, into our lives are the grace of Christ. Thank you for the two or three amens. Do we realize that sometimes the difficult people put into our lives are the Because this gift of Christ is Christ's... What did Caleb say? It's Christ's sacrifice. So for us to know and embrace and encounter Christ's sacrifice... Christ might bring difficult people into our lives so that we then have to sacrifice and encounter the grace of Jesus. Ultimately, the goal is to become more and more like Christ. And so that grace that you were just talking about, these difficult things, uh, I believe leads into this, this next point that we have is that to be interdependent requires maturity. The call to maturity. And so... Christ's gift, as we see in, in verse 11, 
Christ's gift to the church is his leadership. And these, this list that he gives the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, these are not exclusive gifts right now. We're, right, We have all of these, these other gifts that are imparted to, to each one of us. And these are, are specific due to people that, that God calls. That's yeah. a gift to the church. Yeah, and, and so that grace that we're coming out of in verse 7, it talks about he ascended. And if he ascended, he has to descend and all that kind of stuff. We're not going to focus on what all is being said there. But the gifts that are given, as Caleb said, are apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. There's a school of, of thought out there. It's called APEST, A-P-E-S-T, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. And they see it as five distinct elements. Uh, but there's other schools of thought. There is. Uh, one, one school of thought is that, that the shepherd and teacher are, are combined. Um, one Either one role or that teacher is a, a subset from shepherds. But like we talked last week, remember the die for, divide for, we're now into the debate area, right? We can debate whether it's four or five or three or ten, okay? Paul's not trying to set and establish this is all there is. What he actually is trying to establish is what we find when we move on from that, that he's given these to do what? To equip the saints. So just pause for a moment. This is for us to hear, okay? Leadership is in place not to do the ministry. Hear this. I've preached this for a long time, and I will will come and stand by your new pastor and remind him and remind you over and over. The pastor is not the one to do all the ministry. The leadership is there. We are here to equip the body to do ministry, which leads us into the maturation process of understanding Christ's gift of grace. Exactly. Do I continue? Oh, go ahead. Oh, you want me to talk um, about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Before gotcha. We Before we move on too far. Before we move on too far. Okay. So, so this isn't the first place that, that Scripture talks about this establishment of leadership, right? Please stay right. Okay. Right. You remember this, this uh, instance when Jesus is walking along with his disciples and the question is asked, who do people say that I am? Remember that? Some say Elijah, some say a prophet, some say, and then Jesus goes, who do you say that I am? And Peter barks out really loud. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. Now, again, an area of debate, and I'll debate you into the ground. No, uh, an area of debate, but Jesus turns and looks at Peter, and what does he say? On this rock. I will build my church. And and one side of the debate says, well, the rock is the statement that Peter just made, except that the word change in there basically says, no, on Peter I will build the church. We recognize Jesus Christ as the headstone, the cornerstone, right? But he goes, Peter's going to become crucial in this. And we see this in John chapter 21. After the crucifixion, after the resurrection, Jesus pulls Peter aside. Peter. Not all of the disciples. Peter aside, and he goes... Feed my sheep. Love my sheep. Feed my sheep. 
the reinstatement of that position of leadership. And then we know through church history, Peter becomes this incredible leader in the journey. And so Paul's picking up on that. I mean, Paul could have easily gone, yeah, you know that Peter guy. Well, he's kind of run his course. But Paul goes, no, no, no. All of these roles and positions of leadership have been given to us for the purpose of equipping and training and developing the body to do the work. And they've been given in particular for, for five roles that we see broken out in the passage here. The first one is, is one that we've already men- mentioned is equipping the church for ministry. That's, that's the first role for this, this fivefold ministry. The second is, is building up the body, building unity in the faith, building knowledge of Jesus, and then building to mature personhood, personhood, the stature of fullness of Christ. Yeah. So as we break them down, and we really, so first of all, if, if the purpose of leadership is to equip the saints for ministry, then what does it mean we're not here for? What is the church not here for? It's okay, be, be loud. Consumerism. These spectators, we are, the church has a mission to accomplish. The, the church has something they need to be going after. And, and it's a tendency to kind of just, you know, that come to church sort of thing. Receive and, and be consumers and be spectators. And Paul's saying, no, no, you got to understand the grace of Christ to develop the maturity of Christ in us is there so that we actually go after the mission. So that we do works of service together. And that's what Paul is combating by saying that that you may no longer be children. Because what do children need? They need to be consistently fed and consistently be taught things, right? But but the maturity is when you can begin to start teaching others, when you can begin to to know where food is at and go feed yourself essentially, right? Yep. Absolutely. So so with that turn to Hebrews chapter five. Some of you are starting to fall asleep, so let's you know, get your fingers moving, find things. You should do jumping jacks. Go for it. All right. Give me something to do. No, I was kidding. Uh, one, equipping the church for ministry. Two, building up the body. Three, building unity in the faith. Four, building knowledge of Jesus. In five, building mature personhood. By the way, before we, we jump ahead too far again, in verse 7, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, you see the word, uh, but grace was given to each one of us according to the, the measure, right? And so now we jump down here to verse 13. And so we all take to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure. So this measure is a continuation, but... In Hebrews chapter 5, if you've turned there, we're going to pick it up at verse 12. 11 is kind of wrapping up the previous verses in 5. Verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. The author of Hebrews is not celebrating the church right now. Okay? When he's writing this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Just as Caleb saying, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, 
Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. And then he lays some of that that, uh, elementary doctrine. Not not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. He says, "We, we shouldn't have to keep revisiting these things over and over and over. By now, you should have these things down in practice and in intellect. You should be able to be teaching other people about these things. And look at it. In some sense, we would think they're simple, right? A repentance from dead works and a faith toward God. And yet, how often do we go after dead works? How often do we do it? And yet, the writer of Hebrews is saying, you should be beyond that conversation, Instructions about washings, baptism, that sort of the laying on of hands. Oh my goodness. We shouldn't have to like give a whole bunch of explanation when we invite people to come up and be anointed for healing or, or, or we empower them or we send, last week we laid on hands to the search team, right? We we shouldn't have to argue about it or justify it. He's like, these are elementary teachings. He goes on, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. But we need to, to no longer be children. We, we need to be moving forward in advancement. In addition to no longer being children, we're, we're, we're called to no longer be, be tossed around by, by winds of doctrine. Uh, turn with me to 2 Timothy 4, 3-4. I want to make sure you can find it in your Bible. <laughs> I have confidence in you. You're licensed. There we go. I just have a bunch of places marked as with like constantly flipping over to uh, Yes. Okay. Second Timothy four, three through four. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passion. They will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So as we talk about this idea of unity, and in particular this week moving into this interdependence concept, we need one another to make sure that we're not just listening to things that tickle our ears. Here's accountability, right? Here's where accountability... Terry, who have you... Who have you been listening to? What have you been reading? What have you been processing this week? Oh, well, you know, I, I, I know you. You're working on a master's program, and that's, that, that's what you're, you're looking lollipops. You're, you're having candy. You're, why are you not investing in meat? Why are you not investing in, in something that's, that's deeper and, and more substantial in nature? And, and that's where Paul's going with the, the Ephesians. He goes, we need this maturity so that we no longer, verse 14, so that we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. I mean, think about the boat, right? The, the, the boat, the, the lighter the boat, the more it gets tossed around. How many of you have seen some of those, like the cargo ships in the ocean in the midst of, you know, hurricane weathers and, and, and what, I don't know, 20, 30 foot waves and things. You see them hit that and, and the things that it does to it. 
Paul says we need to be one of those massive ships, not a little dinghy out there in the middle of the ocean. When those 30-foot waves hit us and flip us and roll us, and says, we, we should be growing in maturity, which means we should be establishing that foundation even further. Paul also says that, that we need to be no longer talks about by, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And what comes to mind when we think when I think of that is, is Nehemiah 4. Nehemiah is on this this mission to to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem and, and he's gotten permission. They've they've started work and things are going well. And then along come Sandala and Tobiah. And they're all like, We don't like this. Not at all. And so they they begin to to um, to essentially they, they have their own schemes of where they're trying to stop the wall because it's it's not something that they want to accomplish. And so what ends up happening is these these workers on the wall are are beginning to listen to them. They're they're they're, they're catching those what Sandal and Tobiah are saying are tickling the, the workers' ears, so to speak. And and there, there's a fear and there, there's a hesitation and it's not until Nehemiah steps up and says, No, that this is this is our mission, this is what God has called us to they, Nehemiah reminds them of where their foundation is, where the roots need to be placed. And once that happens, they, they continue the wall. And so we need to not be tossed around by, by human cunning, by craftiness. Yeah, and in the past couple of years, how often have we been tossed back and forth by human cunning, by deceitful schemes, by, you know, you start naming it. You know, it's it's just as easy in the church day. We may not be rebuilding a wall like Nehemiah was with the Israelites at that point in time, but we have a mission to accomplish. And if there are there are words and there are doctrines and there are thoughts out there that are trying to convince us that our mission is wrong, we need to be able to stand up against it. We we need to be able to go no. No, Christ didn't say the job's finished yet, so we still need to keep moving forward. We need to be able to say, you know, I, I think about relationships with other churches, and, and we need to be able to say, you know, our mission is the same, and God may have given you a slightly different uh, attack priority or way to go about the mission, but this is the mission that God has called us all to, and this is the direction. So, so maybe he's called OCC to take the left flank, and he's called another church or two to take the right flank. We don't give up and go, oh, well, maybe we should all join with them and go the right. No. We go, this is this is part of the mission that God's called us to. And we stay on that and we, we keep fighting for it. And that's the beauty of unity and interdependence is even though we have different approaches, we have the same goal. And so how often do we do we allow these these different bodies who have different and, and there's, we allow conflict to get in the way of, of ultimately what that mission is. And then he wraps it up in verse 14 here. He says, after not being tossed to and fro, or carried away, or human cunning, or any of that stuff, verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to, we are to what? Grow up. I wonder how that came out in Paul's mind. Was it like the parental? Would you just... Grow up? I don't know. We don't know, right? But he says that we are to grow up in every way. How? Into Christ. Let, 
let me leave you a little hint here. Your job isn't to grow up to become like Terry. Please don't. It's not to grow up and become like Caleb or like Larry or like Lon or like Christina or Kelly. No, we are called to grow up in Christ, who is the head. He's the one controlling it all. And sometimes we're like, well, let's look at them. They're they're further along in the journey. They're more mature, so let's ask them. Well, how about we ask Christ? How about we ask Christ? And, and so with this idea of that, that interdependence requires maturity, where is my spiritual journey seeking to tickle my ears versus grow me in Christ? Every single one of us needs to pause and do self-reflection and assessment from time to time. What are what are the things that I'm grabbing onto that I'm kind of like, oh, I really like this, so I'm just going to keep going over here, and then I'm never faced with the challenge of, you might like that, but that's not what you really need right now. Hi, this morning, sorry, Victoria, I hope it's okay. So, so we were talking, Elias hasn't been feeling well this week. He was feeling better yesterday, and he wanted to come to the party. And it was kind of like that process after we're sick, right? Uh, let's see you eat some toast before we jump on the Costco cake. All right, let's see you eat some toast. Then he woke up this morning, and being sick, you know, it's kind of like, let's make sure you shower and you can hold some food down and all that kind of But, But we're like, I, I remember those times as a little kid, right? Sometimes we're like that as a little kid. Oh, I think I feel better and I'm sick of being here, so I want to go do. Or I want to go read or I want to go interact or I want to. And yet there's that natural progression in the body. But it says we do need to grow up. We need to stop just eating from the things that tickle our ears. One thought that comes to mind is the dangers of the prosperity gospel. That tickles a lot of people's ears because it's, it's easy and it's, it makes me feel good. Right? If, if my life... If there's promises that my life is going to become easier, then, then that's that's something that tickles my ears. <laughs> that's something that I want to go towards. And, and so do we have the foundation and the maturity to be able to come back to, to exactly what, what the gospel says and what, what scripture says? Yeah. Yeah. Let's have the kids come up. Caleb's actually going to yeah. talk to the kids today. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have you guys stand up really quick. Okay. Now, can you can you all scoot over right here for me? Except for come this way. All right. Anyway. Okay. So, have you ever seen the movie Happy Feet? Yes. What's it about? You have That's okay. I do that a lot too. Does anybody know what it's about? Can you explain it? No? Okay. So it's about a bunch of penguins. And in there's a couple cool images that we see in there. And just like that. Do you know what they're doing? They keep warm. Exactly. Why 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 do they need to keep warm? It, it looks really warm over there, doesn't it? See all those tropical trees in the sunshine? No? 
It's pretty cool. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna act just like we're a bunch of penguins today, okay? So I'm gonna have you stand here. Now imagine I am Antarctica. Okay. There's crazy, crazy winds that happen there, like up to 50 miles an hour, I think, when I was researching. Right. Exactly. And like negative 60 degrees, and even below that, right? It's pretty crazy. So, what happens if you're a penguin and you're all by yourself, and I'm coming along and I'm a bun I'm a big wave, or I'm a lot of wind, and I was like, oh. what, what are you doing? You get washed away. Yeah. Okay, now try to stay in the same spot. Where I'm going to do that, ready? What happened? But, but are you not strong enough by yourself? They are pretty strong, but they're even stronger together. So now let's huddle like we're group penguins. Okay, huddle, huddle. One big group, right here, right around Haley. We have to keep Haley warm. Okay, now pretend these really big wind. Wait, you're not moving. You're not moving. Why do you think that is? You're in a group. Yeah, imagine that. So that's what we're talking about this morning is how God calls us to, to be interdependent, basically to, to rely on one another. So... Let's pretend that the church is a group of penguins and we all need to stick together. Sound good? <laughs> good job. Thank you, guys. <laughs> so, one... Oh, yeah, go ahead. There, there's one one extra picture or thing that I want to paint about, about this, this illustration, and it's that... The interesting thing about the penguins is that, that they're consistently rotating who's on the outside. They're consistently rotating so that there's not just, just one penguin outside taking the brunt of the, the cold. They're consistently rotating, interdependent. It gets up to 78 degrees Fahrenheit in the middle of those huddles. In the midst of in the negative, 60 negative 60 winds and temperatures. Right. And, uh, yeah. and it's important because if I recall my years ago of looking at the males are the ones responsible for the eggs, if I recall that, right? We go so back to happy feet. So they're so they're uh, they're they're in there. They're protecting. So think of that. The penguins are coming together to fulfill their part to protect the offspring for the next generations. They're not there just to protect themselves, but they're protecting what is going to be passed on in generations ahead. And so not only do we need to understand grace and receive it and embrace it and pursue it, and not do we just need to pursue maturity, but to have this inter, interdependence with one another requires fulfilling my part in the mission. It requires me being the penguin somewhere in the group. If I've just been on the outside blown by the wind... I get to slowly work my way in while the ones inside slowly work their way out to express it. And so we need to, we need to fulfill our parts in the process. In both sides of it. We're not called to be just in the middle, right? If receiving this heat, receiving this work, but we're also not called 
possibly as leaders or whatever other gifts God may get us to be on the outside, pushing and pushing and pushing and going to, to probably the brink of death. Honestly, that, that's cold. We're not called to that, right? We need to also learn to receive from one another, right? Yeah, and we're not we're not left to... The, the point that Paul's making here is we're not on our own to do this. So often in the church, we think that we're on our own to do this. For some reason, it's a, I, I, I think it's a ploy of the enemy. I think it's a lie that we buy into. Well, if you ask somebody to help, then you're going to bother them. Right? Let's, let's just think through. It doesn't help that we live in north central Idaho, in the heart of independence and all this kind of stuff in America, the country of independence. It doesn't, none of that helps. To add on to human nature that says, well, I don't want to be a bother to somebody else. They have other things going on in life. They have other priorities. They have other things. And so so I don't want to ask. And what Paul's saying here is, no, no, no. You need to because we need each other in this process. There's also humility in asking for help. Some of us are too prideful to want to ask for help in addition to being fearful of bothering others. Some of us too proud thinking that we can do it on our own and that's that is a lie uh, and imagine that paul in chapter 4 verse 1 you know walking the walk verse 2 with all humility part of expressing the humility is saying i can't do this on my own i i need brothers and sisters in christ to gather around me to do this together with me and so he, he indicates that there's he indicates that there's two different uh Two different components. First of all, that we need to be joined. We need to be joined. If you pick it up, verse 11, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined. Who joins us? No, who joins us? Christ joins us. So so the whole body joined and held together together. by every joint. So we all have these joints and we're held together. It's the, the interdependence being fleshed out in, in some of that language. That, that word joined also means fitted. It also means fitted. Okay, ladies, you get married, you just grab any dress and throw it on? Nope. You select a wedding dress and you go do what? You go have it fitted. Christ is the bridegroom. We as individuals are the bride, and together we are the bride of Christ. And the wedding dress needs to be fitted. And the problem is that too often we don't like the way it's supposed to be fitted. And we're like, Jesus, I'd rather do that I like what Christina's doing. I'd rather do what Christina's doing. And Jesus goes, but I have fitted you for this. And I, I know from uh, stories of my wife when I got married that even though the, the dress was fitted, it wasn't necessarily comfortable. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily comfortable. And so even... I think sometimes we're looking and, and trying to figure out what, what that fit might be. And 
expecting something comfortable. When we expect something that's not always comfortable, it might be. Maybe God is, that's a blessing that God's given, but maybe it's not. Yeah. And, and part of that discomfort, well, most of that discomfort is self-imposed, right? I mean, most of that discomfort often within the body of Christ is self-imposed because I want to do something different or because it's taken me so long to hear where Christ has fitted me. I have all this baggage around. I have these layers of clothing on that I now need to get off so that I can be more properly fitted in the process. I like that Paul uses joint and join because it means there's fluidity in it. It's not something that's locked stiff. It's not static. It means that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to have fluidity in our movement. We can't be rigid in our journey with Christ. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. We've been using this... Right before Second Corinthians, <laughs> we've been using this image of, of Christ being the head, and, and Paul illustrates this this very clearly in First Corinthians twelve. Let's start in verse fourteen. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So as we figure out our fitting, as we figure out what part of the body we are, we need to learn to, to grow in that. How much time do we spend wasting when we're trying to be a different part? Or looking for another... That illustration doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Go with the thought. Go with the thought. That's okay. Essentially, we, we need to be growing into the that we are, rather than wasting time trying to mold or shape ourselves a, a certain way that, that we weren't designed to be, or maybe we're not called to be them at that time. Yeah, 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 because that could be, again, we're supposed to be fluid as a joint, so, so we might be molded into something else in another season of time. Yep, I, I, don't, I don't know how many of you remember when we preached through this. What did we figure out, Katie, it was a decade ago? Almost a decade ago, I used an illustration that some people were kind of like, that's just weird to think about, but I, I like it. it. It works. And that is the body of Christ is like this super umbil- uber umbilical cord. That was the word I used. Uber umbilical cord. Write that down. It's not in the dictionary. It's going to be someday. Maybe I should even write a book titled The Uber Umbilical Cord. But think about it. When, okay, ladies, you're pregnant. There's an umbilical cord, right? It connects... Mom to baby. It takes care of what? Nutrition. Life. It's, it's connected. So, so if something happens to the umbilical cord, we start to threaten life, right? Very early on, 
in Caleb's life in the womb, we found out that he didn't have a Mickey Mouse. Does anybody know what a Mickey Mouse is? I don't know. <laughs> Jennifer, help me out. Two, two arteries in a vein, and it looks like Mickey Mouse. That's what the healthy umbilical cord is supposed to look like. Caleb didn't have that. So through the journey, might explain some things, but through the journey, we had to be extra. I think we ended up with some extra ultrasounds and some other tests and all that kind of stuff to make sure that Caleb was growing at a healthy capacity. So we know the importance of the umbilical cord, and, and yet in the church we are all supposed to be connected in that fashion. We should be caring for one another's nutrition. We should be caring for one another's health in the journey. Now catch this. That means that because we are joined together, and we're kind of sliding into the next point, which is the idea of working properly. Catch this. If I start eating garbage food, are we, are we tracking? If I start eating junk food, who is affected by it? The entire body. Because all of you are getting some of that in the body. Just like we all know, right? If a, if a mother who's pregnant begins to eat certain things, certain things happen within the relationship of the child. Man, why is my kid so restless tonight? Oh, because I ate, you know, whatever it might be. Same thing happens in the church if we're truly joined together. That means if any of us is eating garbage for our nourishment, it's affecting the entire body. So we not only need to be joined, but we need to be working properly. I think it kind of fits, kind of doesn't. <laughs> but I want to go there anyways. Kind of skipped over it. But that's, yeah, that's go, go back. Go, go we're back. going back. It, it still connects, obviously, because it's all one body. Uh, Parable of the Talents. Who remembers what that's about? Yeah. So there's three guys. One is given five talents, one is given two talents, and one is given a single talent. And they're told to, to, to go out. And, and the one with the five talents ends up trading and making five talents more. He comes back to the master and he says, well, well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, he invested in, and grew what was given to him, and so he was rewarded those talents. And, and the same thing happened with the, the, the gentleman that, that got two talents. He, he went out, he traded, he, he gained two more, and, and it was blessed. Um, the one given with one talent ended up hiding it away, burying it under the ground. So rather than investing it, rather than, than growing and, and, and growing it in coming back, he putting it to work, there we go, he comes back and, and just has a single one in it. He's, he's scolded because he, he hit it. He didn't work with it, with what, what he had. And, and this is similar to, to these gifts that God has given to each every single one of us. We all have these gifts, these, these talents. Are we, are we using them? Are we working properly are we acting as a joint? How, how can we better trade or grow our talents? 
and, and with that, when we look at verse 16, it says, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working... What's your translation say? Together? Okay, mine says properly. Okay, here's what's really interesting. It's the same word for measure in verse 7 and in verse uh, 13. It's the same word for measure. So you could you could retranslate it to say something about according to the working in measure of each part. So some of us are striving to be a different measure than we ought to be. Let's, let's try to start bringing it all together a little bit, right? So I'm gifted as a teacher, but I'm gifted as a teacher in a particular measure. On the one side, if I go, oh, no, no, I'm not supposed to speak in a, in a public capacity because I'm an introvert, you know, and I don't like people in large groups and stuff like that. So, okay, it drains my energy. It's not that I don't like people in large groups. It's just, you know, so... So if I'm a, if I've been gifted with teaching in a, in a certain measure and I go, no, 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 I, I need to just do it, just do it in one-on-one settings, then I'm not functioning properly. Flip side is true though too. If my measure, and this is my measure, and I go, I will only speak in front of crowds that are a minimum of 5,000 people. I'm functioning improperly. And the body's being damaged by that. So, so do I, do I know where I belong and am I working at it according to the fit and the measurement? Some of us sit here knowing that God has gifted us in a certain capacity and we go, well, until this opportunity opens up, I'm not doing anything with it. By the way, it's also very typical within the body. We use the phrase, I've served my time. You haven't served your time until you're six feet under. Okay? And, and, and here's the thing. If you've got this uber umbilical cord and you've got a growth connected over here that's dying, what happens to the rest of the body? It suffers. Because the body has to compensate, right? So, so it starts to suffer. So, so brothers and sisters in Christ... I don't. I, it doesn't matter what age or what experience that you have or anything like that. You're not done until you're dead. Okay, please understand that. But as Caleb mentioned, we might shift, we might mold into something different, we might transition. So, so you know, now I, you know, I'm, I'm of a particular age. I'm not going to mention any ages. I'm of a particular age. It's harder to get down on my knees to care for babies. It's harder to run around with teenagers and stuff like that, right? It's harder for me to maybe even get out of the house. That doesn't mean prayer ministry can't keep going. That doesn't mean encouragement ministry can't keep going. Writing notes and emails and texts to people. There are a lot of different areas of ministry. You might just have to shift it a little bit from what you used to do. It might be, I've always loved kids. and, and And I just, you know what? We can take a kid and we can put the kid on your lap. You don't have to bend over and pick the kid up. We can put the kid on your lap for you. You just tell me, I'd love to have a kid during church service, and I'll find you one. Might be a little older than what you want, but I'll find you one. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> Where do we go 
from here. Caleb, if there's somebody yes. that needs to sit on my lap, would you go sit on their I'll lap? I'll sit on your lap. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Only with my wife's permission. Working properly, we mentioned the beginning that this is a gift and it's given and it's not by works. There's nothing we can do to earn it. And so there's no room for pride for our ego. And so when we're, when we're thinking about what it means to be unhealthy or, or what it means to, to have immaturity in, in areas that we need to grow, when you reflect on, on our ego or our pride, maybe maybe not investing enough in it, maybe not stepping up and, and, and applying that gift. Maybe we need more training. Maybe there's people who have a, have a similar gift that, that can speak life and can, can bring you along in that journey. We, we have a responsibility with, with these gifts to, to use them and to build up the body and to, to be our heart. So let's, let's, another illustration that comes out in this is, uh, and, and kind of tagging off of what Caleb was talking about, some of us suffer from arthritis, right? Even at, even at 47, I've got hints of things right, starting to happen in my body. And I recognize that in order to function well with those joints, right? Yeah, I can take medication and stuff like that, but I can do stretches. I can avoid certain activities. There's, there's certain things, right? Because arthritis is not the natural, healthy, functional joint. There's things that are keeping it. It's, it's making them creak and it's making them stiff and we're supposed to keep those, right? So, so what are those things? Like Caleb said, right? You know, sometimes arthritis in the body is ego and pride. These are all the things Caleb just mentioned. Sometimes, sometimes the arthritis in the in the body is, I'm not interested in investing any longer. I've, I've served my time. I'm done. It's uh, it, it's I don't know how to do it in that capacity. I've I've always known how to do it this way. And then Pastor yanked this way out from underneath me, and so I have no place in. Really? No, I, I, I firmly believe that every person in this room who has gifts given by God has a place in this body and a place in the body of Christ to serve and function. We may have to brainstorm and say, what does it look like if, if, if the body is saying, we, we don't want to pursue that direction of ministry, we want to pursue this direction of ministry. Remember, flank right versus flank left. <laughs> you know, if God's calling OCC to flank left and, and we got to go, but but man, my giftings and my talents and everything God's given me seem more suited for the right-hand side. Well, am I willing to be retooled by God and by the body? Or am I stuck in my ways and that's the only way to do it? We need to get our joints healthy, our bodies healthy. And this is the process of sanctification, of becoming more and more like Christ and growing in that maturity, learning Areas that we need to grow in maturity, areas that, that we believe God has gifted us that, that we need to grow. Right? Okay. Uh, a third and final question for this morning is, is, in what ways can I be honed for the maturing and strengthening of the body? In what ways can I be honed for the maturing and strengthening of the body? Uh, we're going to close by by passing out prayer cards. 
part of the beauty of, of being a part of a single body is that, that we get to help each other, that we get to support and, and pray with one another. And so uh, kids are going to pass these out, and we're going to take some time to, to be able to pray. So, so just like last week, stand up. Well, maybe we should wait till she gets them handed out. Let's, let's wait like a minute or two until she gets the cards handed out. Find somebody different. Find somebody different from last week. I know this, this might be an uncomfortable step for some of us. That's part of keeping the joints flexible, right? Keeping the body flexible. Find somebody else that, that you don't know. Maybe you know them. You haven't interacted for a long time. And again, pray this prayer. Write their name down so you can have it for the week. Pray this prayer over them. Allow them to pray it over you. You have the freedom and the flexibility to continue to pray after you've read what Pastor Terry put together on the card here. See, it says continue praying as the Holy Spirit leads you. So you're welcome to continue praying. And then uh, I'm going to invite the worship team up and we're going to lead us in in a closing song. But she's about halfway. Oh, there we go. Now she's got a helper. Now she's got a helper. Great. We're going to move faster here. So go ahead and stand up. And uh, start milling around, finding somebody, and as things kind of come to more of a lull, we'll transition to a closing song.